Things that might be necessary. You know, that's just the way it goes. Sometimes you're quicker than others. I don't get very many of those times, though. I like hearing my kids sing. It's nice. All right. It's a great night to come out tonight, isn't it? Look around. It's a great night to do other things, too, apparently. Just the way it goes. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your house. And just thank you for giving us your scripture and that we can apply it to your li- to our lives. Thank you mostly for giving us uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the eternal life that he offers us. And uh, just be with me tonight as I preach, that I say the words that uh, you lay on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I want to talk about church. And you hear the word church. Is it, some, is it a place we go? Is it something we do? Or is it who we are? Um, the church. And what I don't want to do is... Um, Kind of be hard on people that aren't here because coming to church, that's between you and God. There's a lot of legitimate reasons why people aren't here tonight. Um, but I just want to go over a few reasons that uh, that I, 
I believe, will find are biblical to come to church and to be involved in the local church. And the church has changed a lot over the years. The church comes to mean two things. It's We talk about the church universal, which is all Christians. And I don't mean the church universal. Anyone that calls themselves a Christian is part of this church. I mean a Christian as, as the Bible explains. You believe in the Son of God, believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for our sins and that we're a sinner and that we needed that sacrifice to go to heaven. You're part of the church. You're a Christian. Um, and then the second thing for church is your local church. It's a local church body like we represent here tonight. You don't have to be in a building, but any group of Christians. And the local church is where a group of believers comes, they meet together, they celebrate the gifts of God, and enjoy the fellowship of each other. Um, so why is it important, and, and why do we come? Some people come to church just because they were raised, well, that's what we do on Sundays, we go to church. And the tradition of church going is being replaced. And I'm kind of a traditionalist at heart. But what I like to see about tradition is why we do things, why we do what we do. And if there's a good reason to keep it up, then let's keep doing it. If you need to change, then change. Um, Personally, I believe we should be involved in the local church, whether you meet in a home or whether we meet in a public building like we do here. And church has nothing to do with salvation. As I said before, Um, you can be saved and not go to church. And you can go to church and not be saved. And sometimes there's a lot of confusion in that. People think, well, I I grew up in the church. I've always been to church, so I'm saved. Well, that doesn't mean you're saved. It might make you seem like a good person or religious, but it doesn't bring salvation. Um, I believe without the local church, without our local church involvement, we can miss opportunities for fellowship and for giving. And most people say giving, especially from behind the pulpit. Everyone thinks of, oh, they just want my money. And it's, it's, you've got to give your tithes and offering. Well, I think that it's not just for tithe and offering. But coming to church, we can give emotional support to each other and physical support, too. Um, not very often I hear people talk about physical support. But we all have gifts that God has given us. And not just spiritual gifts, but things that we do, your craft or your trade, things that you enjoy to do. I believe any, any talent that we have is a gift from God. And sometimes, coming to church, you meet people and you expose your gifts to people. And uh, you can end up really helping somebody with physical needs because of gifts God has given you. Uh, the house we're renting now is because I came to church and Bob was at church and he heard I needed a house to rent. So you never know what you can offer somebody just by coming to church. So I've come up with five things to go to church, five reasons to go to church, and I have an acronym for it, which is FAITH. I know, it's not an acronym church, but that's, that's okay. Um, the first for, for F is fellowship. We meet with our church family during service times, and we should also be meeting with them outside of the formal settings. This is not, should not be the only time we see our fellow church members. But we should be with them outside of church. It's great to get together as, as for sanctioned church events and, and work together. You can all, like, 
VBS is coming up. That's a great time to get involved, and that's a church event. And typically, if you work VBS with somebody, you're going to get to know them a lot, and you're going to learn a lot more about them than you do just sitting in the pews with them on, on Sunday mornings. But then also, we need to have times of informal meetings. Get together with them, go out to eat, just hang out at their house. We need to hang out with, with Christians. And that's, that's a good thing for fellowship. If we look into Acts, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 42, and then we're also going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5. I tried to get a little scripture to go along with things that I think, because you don't really want to hear what I think. I don't want you to hear what I think. I want you to hear what does the Bible say about it. So we'll go to Acts, and we're going to go to Acts a couple times. Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So I know steadfast isn't really a word that we commonly use today, but uh, steadfast means to resume. Resolutely, resolutely, yeah, resolutely, resolutely, or dutifully, firm and unwavering. Yeah, I'll give that a minute. Um, some synonyms are loyal or devoted or dedicated. So that means to, to really set your mind to it, to be firm and unwavering, something you, you're going to make it a priority to do it. They set their, these early disciples set their minds to doctrine and fellowship. And a lot of people said, well, I don't have time for it. Well, I'm sure these guys are busy. As we go through, we, we, we learn some of their professions. Uh, we know Paul was a tent maker. We know some other disciples were fishermen. And I don't believe they all quit what they were doing. Um, in fact, as we read through Scripture, they didn't. Some did, but some didn't. So everyone's busy. But they made time for it. They wanted to learn these new things that God was teaching through, especially through Paul and others. So they made time for it. Flip over to 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And you probably have time to look for it because I didn't mark any of these today. And sometimes I forget the order of the books. First Thessalonians 5.11. And that says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So he's, he's just talking about edifying each other, just lifting each other up. The previous verses talk about Jesus dying for our sins and giving us eternal life together with fellow believers. So... He's not just saying in general to edify each other and comfort yourselves, but he's saying with spiritual truths. Remember that Jesus Christ died for you. You're going to live eternally. And that's, that should be comforting to each other as we go through hardships. So the first thing in uh, the acronym faith is, is fellowship. The second thing is accountability. And all those of us that are married have an accountability partner in our spouse. 
But it's also good to have another friend hold us accountable. It's good to have accountability partners that aren't just your spouse because there's some things that your spouse really doesn't want to hear. Sometimes they think we're complaining if we talk to our spouse about certain things. And so it's good to, to have fresh ears, somebody that hasn't heard you talk about this issue ten times this week already. Um, but it's, if it's something you're struggling with, it's good to have somebody that you can talk to. We all need good friends that come alongside of us to offer support and encouragement. And another thing is we shouldn't be afraid of letting people see us struggle. A lot of times, I know I've had times where I don't feel like going to church, but uh, sometimes those are the best times to come to church. And I'll make it a point and say, I don't feel like going to church today. That must mean I really need to go. And I'll go. And if you're, if you're down or look like you've gone through something, someone's probably going to notice that. And they're going to come up to you. Or you might have opportunity to minister to somebody. So we need, we need to find people we can be real with. And we can, we can do that in church. James 5.16, it says, confess your faults one to another. Let's just look it up. I didn't write that down either. James 5.16. And it says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, a lot of times as, as Christians, we don't really talk about confessing our sins. And because we say Jesus died on the cross, all of our sins are forgiven, and that's true. But we still need to confess our sins. Now, we don't, we don't have to confess our sins to the priest. You don't even have to confess your sins to the pastor. But it's good to confess your sins to each other. It just There's something nice sometimes about getting something off your chest. And it might just be, hey, you know what, I, this is what I struggle with. And it brings relief to you. And so we're even told to do that. Now, you're not expected to go around church. Everyone you meet confess all your sins to. That, that might, it would be awkward. And you might have some people, when they see you coming next time, not want to talk to you. Um, but if you have that account, accountability partner, if you have that friend, that godly friend that you can talk to, you should have somebody that you can share everything with. And... Uh, when you share things with people, you'll be uh, interested to find out that a lot of people have the same struggles that you do. And uh, it'll, it's really surprising to know that other people actually go through the same thing. And uh, there's typically not anything you've done or gone through that nobody else has. It just, and the Bible tells us that too, that, that, uh, that we go through the same, similar things. So we have fellowship, we have accountability, and then uh, the, what I chose for I is increase. By inviting people to church, you grow the numbers. We need to increase the bride of Christ. We need to grow the church. And I don't mean we just need to see more people in the pews. A lot of people get wrapped up in numbers, and uh, I think we, it's nice to know how many people came and who is here. But sometimes we get so caught up in the numbers, we think that's our success rate. And that's not our success rate. But it is nice to have more people. It is nice to say, hey, 
so-and-so brought visitors. We had people come to the church, and it's nice. Another thing is you can increase your circle of friends. A lot of people will say, well, I don't know any, any Christian people. I don't work with Christians. Great. Come to church and meet some. Find some Christians that you can hang out with. You might, you might come to church and meet somebody that's a block over from you, and you didn't even know that they were there. But they might come to, the, come to church one day and meet you. Because at church, you can find some like-minded people who are willing to meet you, and some people actually want to listen to you. But a lot of people want to help you, and you may find somebody that you can help. Look in uh, Acts chapter 2, in verses 41 through 47, we see the, uh, the day of Pentecost, and we see that Peter was preaching, and uh, we see that, that 3,000 people were added to the church. Let's just flip back over there. And then verse 42, we'll look at that again. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of the bread and in prayers. Now, who was that? Those were, those were new converts. In verse 41, it says, Then they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So then it talks how they continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship. That's how they learned about God. In studying doctrine, talking to each other, how often do we talk to each other and say, hey, what do you think he meant about that? And you just go back and forth, and, you, and uh, that's a good way to, to learn things. And then verse 47, it says that uh, they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So through everything going on, God added to the church. He increased it. So that brings us to T, which I have threefold. There is strength in numbers. If you are struggling through some situation, then get people to pray for you. Come to church. Get multiple people to pray for you. Come to church and be encouraged. It, you may be encouraged by seeing friends or by seeing there are people going through similar hardships that you are. And I already mentioned that. Another thing, good reason to come and to have numbers is it's, encouraging for other Christians to see a good crowd. It's nice to come into church and you look around and you see a bunch of other other believers. Not even, you might come have a good crowd and they might not all be believers. But it's nice to just see a large crowd. And then it's also encouraging for the preacher to have a good crowd. It's nice when the preacher stands up and he sees a lot of people have come. And it's it's not because the preacher wants more people to hear him. It's because the preacher sees that people are hungry to hear the word of God. At least that's how the preacher should feel. There might be some otherwise, but, but that's what the preacher's thinking when he stands up and he sees a crowd. He thinks, wow, there's, people want to hear from God. Because your preacher has spent time preparing a message. Now, it's true that if one person comes, it's worth it. If one person comes and hears the preacher, it's worth it. But... It's nice to have multiple people come. And uh, turn over to Ecclesiastics 
Ecclesiastes 4. Yeah, if you haven't figured out by now, um, I don't always pronounce my big words well. You know, and it's not only just big words. Really isn't. Page 696. I don't even know where Ecclesiastics is. I'm not going to act like it. Ecclesiastics 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So two is better than one, and three is even better than that. So it's good to have to have that a group together. There is strength in numbers. So that brings us down to H. H is for healing. It's been said that church is like a hospital. It's for the weak and the sick to gain their strength and to heal. Maybe you're not weak or sick. Then great. The church needs doctors and nurses too. Because not everybody at the hospital is sick, are they? They have to have well people there. They have to have nurses and doctors to care from them. And the, the hospital even needs visitors that come and visit those that are sick. So the church is a great place for everybody. You might, you might be sick and hurting, or you might have something to offer somebody that is sick or hurting. Why are we afraid of letting people see us hurting and helpless? A lot of people, especially men, sometimes when we get sick or something, we don't want to go to the hospital. It's a pride thing. You know, we think we're bigger than whatever it is. And the same thing applies to church. We might be struggling with something and we're ashamed of whatever it is and we think people won't understand or whatever the case may be, but that's not true. People in church want to pray for you. We want to reach out. At least we should. Christians should want to reach out to each other. Why do we expect to not see anyone struggling at church? That'd be like going to a hospital and not want to see any sick people. Well, it's ridiculous. You're going to go to the hospital and see sick people. And just like you're going to come to church, you're going to see people struggling. And then we appreciate physical healing. And Jesus, Jesus offered physical healing. So we think of, of healing, and uh, while Jesus walked on the earth, what's one thing that he did as part of his ministry? He healed people. And uh, it's interesting because he typically he would address somebody, he would heal them physically, but they, they always had some underlying issue, some emotional issue or spiritual issue. And that's one thing that, that Jesus was really good at. And as you read through scriptures, as you read through the Gospels, you see that he addressed the, the heart issue. He'd heal somebody, but then he would tell them to sin no more. Your faith has set you free. And he wasn't just talking about the physical healing. He used that to get their attention, or more so to get the attention of those around that person. But 
Jesus was concerned about their spiritual being. Now, Jesus had a lot more insight than we do. We, we can't just walk up to somebody and know what their heart issues are. But as we get to know somebody, we can find that out. So when Jesus healed somebody, it was, it was to open the door to salvation or to restore fellowship with somebody. Makes me think of when uh, when my father-in-law was sick. He had cancer, and we didn't have a lot of time with him when we found out what was what was happening. So we all prayed for healing, as you do when somebody's sick. You pray for their healing. You want them to be physically healed. Um, but that wasn't the case. God didn't plan on him to be physically healed. On this side of heaven. He is now. But he has three he has three brothers and he didn't have a good relationship with them. And so before he passed away, his his emotional healing was the miracle. Because that was restored with his brothers. And so and and we got to see that. And so, too often, I think we lose sight of what really matters. You know, we get caught up in the who God who who God healed or who He didn't heal, but we don't look at at some other things that have really gone on. And so, we still saw a miracle there. Um, so, by coming to church, you can offer healing to someone that is hurting. Just having a having an outstretched arm, just praying for somebody. Turn back to uh, to James chapter five. You'd think I had to at least mark it once I looked it up once. Huh? No. James five verses fourteen through sixteen, and it says, "Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord." And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So the last thing to think of is that uh, church is for healing. There's two other scriptures that I want to just mention and they are Hebrews 10:24 and it talks about considering one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then Romans 12:10 says to be a kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Where else will you be in a larger group of Christians to practice this? If we can't love the love Christians, love our brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we love the world? We can't. And so church can be a practice area to provoke each other into love, to love each other, and to be kind to each other. Now, the early church took James seriously. I'd like to think so, at least. And James talks about, um, he talks about religion. Religion. 
He talks about, what does James say about religion? He says that uh, in 127, he says, Pure religion and and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So it's true religion is to take care of those that can't take care of themselves and to keep yourself unspotted from the world, to not get bogged down and to get wrapped up in sin. Church in the past represented true religion, but has, but has religion itself now taken over the church. Many churches may have large bank accounts or stockpiles of resources because people give. I think some churches have those things as a showcase. And they say, look, we have a great congregation. We have a great body of of givers because they give this. And this is what we have to show for it. Um, But why do we have those things? If those resources aren't used up, they just gather dust and become mothy. We just... The church may close its doors and have a million dollars in the bank. And that doesn't matter. If you have resources, use them. That's what God gives us. And that's, that's what we saw in the early church. As you read, as you read through scripture, you see that, that they, um, they came together as one. They put all their stuff in together so they could minister. And that's what the church is here for. It's a place for Christians to come together and to minister. Minister to each other, minister to the Christians, but also to reach out to the community and minister to those around the church. Now, people avoid church for many reasons. As I said in the beginning, I don't want to come down hard on people that aren't in church. If you don't come to church often, you know, that's between you and God. There's, there's lots of legitimate reasons. Um, it may be a time thing. You may work. It, you might be sick. You might be taking care of somebody. Um, so that's one thing that we need not do is if someone's not in church as often as we think they should be, we need to not hold that against them. Just pray for them because we don't know that we may or may not know their circumstances. But pray for them. Pray for each other. Because if I'm not in church, I hope someone's praying for me and just saying, hey, I missed him tonight. If you see somebody, If you see someone's not here, pray for them. But one thing we don't want to do is is let bitterness set in and make us avoid church. I've seen a lot of people leave churches and they don't find another church to go to. They just leave church and they quit going to church. Um, a lot of people grow up in a church and they may be in a church for a long time and they don't see a whole lot of a whole lot of that. Um, but as you go, if you've been part of a few churches, you see that it's every church that happens to. You might be in one church and, and be discouraged because people leave or attendance is down, but it's like that everywhere. Church attendance is, is down. But if something happens and you leave church, what I, I tell people, if you're struggling in church and you leave, sometimes you need to leave a church. I say, plug into a church and grow. You know, sometimes people get hung up and they say, I've been to this church for 10 years. I can't leave. You know what? You might need to leave to go to another church and heal. And that can happen. But if you leave church, go find another church to be part of. Don't let bitterness grow in your heart.
So in closing, I'd like to I'd like to just say that in light of of a new pastor coming, uh, a new pastor as in we don't have a pastor. Pastor Ron's done a great job filling in, um, but with Pastor Tony coming, he's going to be a uh, another member of the team that we have here. But I'd like to make a suggestion as to encouraging him, and that's to attend church regularly. And But I'm not saying just come to make the pastor happy or to fill your duty, but a byproduct of faithful church attendance is that your pastor will be encouraged. You know, sometimes we don't feel like coming to church. Well, it's, it's encouraging to come to church, not only for you, but for those around you and for your, and for your pastor. So I would encourage you to, to come to church let pastor see you here at church. Give him opportunity to minister to you. So if you can just remember uh, the little acronym of faith and uh, fellowship, accountability, increase. Uh-oh, what was Ty? What was T for? Threefold. There we go. And H is for healing. I hope that helps you remember kind of some reasons to come to church.